everybody. Welcome back to the Side Dish Podcast, where we dish it out with Boston's brightest culinary minds. It's Brittany here from Boston Food Journal with my co-host, my older sister, Caitlin. Hey, everyone. And we've got such an exciting episode today for episode two. We are very excited about it. Um, Per usual, Kate's going to do her wine tip of the week, and she's actually detailing one of our family favorites today. So get ready for that. And then we have an in-depth conversation with someone I've actually been obsessed with for a long time now. We are talking with Kristen Canty, um, restauranteur and owner of Woods Hill Pier 4 in Boston Seaport, Woods Hill Table in Concord, and Concord's Adelita. So very, very exciting conversation. And then I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite speakeasies here in Boston. If you follow me, you might already know what I'm talking about, but I can't wait to tell you guys about it because it's literally one of my favorite spots. So great episode today. We're so excited. Thank you again for joining us. Um, Sister, before we do this, I think we should just have a laugh at ourselves about episode one. All in all, I think think we did a good job, but I have a couple points. Okay, ready? Oh, boy. I mean, it's always weird to hear your own voice, but. It is. Who am I? All right, ready? Who am I? Yeah, and that was great. (laughs) Don't be rude. Okay, guys. What she's referring to is the fact that every time I asked random question, I sniffed after the question. Like, you who does notice, that? Now, like, what is wrong with me? And if you didn't notice, now you're going to go back and be like, whoa. So something to work on for okay. me moving forward. But, we, you know. We said, you know, we're new. We're new to the podcast game. We're not trying to come out here and be, like, the best in the bit. We're learning as we go. So yeah. I think, like, this postmortem is helpful for us. So, Kim, Brent, like, did I tell you what dad stop said? sniffing. No. So I, I was like, dad, did you, did you listen? He goes, yeah, that was so great. He's like, man, you really have to work on your laugh. Um, I've been telling you that your laugh is awful. <laughs> oh, I just for, laughed. So now everyone's making fun of us for sure. I've but. been telling you your laugh is atrocious for the last, what, 10 years. Caitlin has a really fake like business laugh that she does on business calls all the time. <laughs> and it's like her real laugh is like now just a just extension a of her fake business laugh um just oh great <laughs> great thanks Britt you're welcome note, note to self no sniffing no laughing just no just talking talking <laughs> and also I noticed like I remember I would be thinking in my head like yeah you sound awesome and then I'd listen and be like that was a sentence that I must have finished in my own head to myself because that did not make sense <laughs> I didn't notice that with you of you course I was, I was no I thought you sounded great Oh, well, thank you. I thought you sounded great. Uh, yeah, minus, minus, minus the minus the. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was Caitlin's fiance that first pointed that out, and I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, you're right! I didn't even." He was like, "Great before. job, but why are you sniffing?" <laughs> <laughs> good oh my question, god. James. Too good. Well, so again, like we have many subscribers. Actually, it's so exciting to see and hear all of your feedback. Um. Like I said, like, you know, some of you have DM'd me with questions and things that, you know, you want to see on the pod or things that you really liked about it. And that is Yeah, so thank exciting. you guys. Thank you. And like, keep it up. We want to know exactly what you're thinking and what you're liking. We also want to make sure that we're highlighting guests that you want to hear about. And, you know, if there's someone in particular you want to hear and you want to hear their story, let us know. Let us know if you have questions for that person. We want, we want this to be a great resource for you all. Um... And, you know, something that you can learn from and hopefully something that inspires you. So keep the feedback rolling. 
we appreciate every one of you guys. Again, we're not perfect at this. We're learning. So thanks for bearing with us. Um, yeah, I have to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Britt, any, you've been eating anywhere good this week or any, any, uh, I know you will get to your tip later, but. Um, I don't even know what day it is. What did I eat this week? It's only, it's only Tuesday when we're recording this. So I know I have to look at my calendar. Cause I just don't even know. Um, <laughs> you know, James and I made a reservation for the place Rand recommended in Providence. Oh, good. Dolores. Oh my God, I love that. Dolores. Yeah. We yeah. couldn't get in for Cinco de Mayo, but we're going on next Friday. So okay, I'm so you, excited are, for that. When are you going? Uh, May 7th. That's going to be amazing. You know what? That just reminded me we should do a Cinco de Mayo roundup. Well, never mind. Because Cinco de Mayo is next Wednesday. But I can tell you guys where I'm going for Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. If you follow me, you know that I'm obsessed with committee in the seaport. I just love it there. I love the bartenders. If you're listening, I love you. Um, they make the best drinks. And I'm going there with some friends. Patio, spot. Cannot wait. Hope the weather is going to be good. And I'm going to have a ton of cocktails and their zucchini chips because those are so good. That's I've never been there. I've got to check it out. Yeah, you have a lot of spots you need to hit up here in Boston. You really do. Also, Yellow Door. Make your reservations. I love Yellow Door. Yep, Yellow Door would be a great spot. I also adore Chilacates for more quick grab tacos if you want to do love like tacos at home. One thing about Yellow Door, too, they actually sell um like drink kits that you can take to go i did it the other day and made margs on my roof um so that's pretty cool too if you want to do like at home stuff they have a great patio as well though they're one Look of those like bfj what? tips up front love it oh i know sorry I just, I can't stop once <laughs> this I, is our once life I get going, once i get going i can't stop um but anyway let's jump into the wine tip of the week caitlin i loved yours from from last week we got a lot of people saying they actually were going out to get it and I Ooh. also love, I know, and I love that we could plug Formaggio because that's, you know, that used to be in our backyard and we love it. It's such a local shop and love supporting them. So that was really good. So what do you have for us this week? This week, I'm still sticking with bubbles, but not in the way that you would expect. So uh, James and I love a Lambrusco. And if you're not familiar with what a Lambrusco is, it's a sparkly red wine, which sounds really weird. So the one I'm going to recommend this week is the Tenuta Perdazana Lambrusco. And again, is that Italian? That? yes. Yep. Mm. So it's, it's a little bit weird um, and it's a little bit on the cheaper side. So it's a really easy price point for you to just pick up a couple bottles and bring home. But it's one of my most favorite wines to have in the summer on the porch you don't have to have food with it. You can have food with it. But yeah, it's a sparkly red from the Emilia-Romagna region in Italy. So um, it's considered a table wine in Italy. So the year doesn't really does much mean? matter. It, it's like very mean? common. Like it, uh, in, okay, um, okay. Like James always talks about when he was in Parma, you know, it was, it was something that he had all the time. They just always had it flowing from the table. So it's kind of just a simple standard staple and the year doesn't much matter, so don't worry too much about that, about that. And it's about 15 bucks, maybe, you know, depending on where you get it again. And tasting notes, you'll definitely find like a tart cherry fizz. It's really easy to drink and has a slight earthy sweetness to it. 
it, it is a little bit on the sweeter side. So I wouldn't really recommend it necessarily with your dinner. You could, of course, but um, but I think it would be better with an appetizer, charcuterie. Um, if you're just chilling outside, maybe you're just having a few crackers. Like it doesn't even need to be paired special with anything. It's just very drinkable and it's so good. And it just reminds me of summer and warmer weather. Uh, and it's it's really unique. It's something kind of cool to try that maybe you you haven't tried before. And again, you can get it at Formaggio um, and and maybe some other wine shops around town. Maybe like Total well. Wine has it. They have like yeah, everything. exactly. Yeah. And and you could try Wine.com as well. But um, I know they I have. I think it at I Formaggio. need to get some. I need to. It's that so sounds good. like something I would really like. Yeah, and it's it's the reason I wanted to bring it up today is just because it is unique, right? Like if it's right. you don't really think about oh a bubbly red wine, like what? But no, it's, yeah. it's really good. And I serve it a little colder than maybe you would a normal red wine. So keep it in the fridge, gives it a little crispness as well. So that's that my wine wreck of the week. Delicious. I think I actually am going to go get some because that to me sounds, I like sparkly stuff like that. So I feel like I would love that. It's probably not as like sharp as like a Prosecco or a Champagne too. It's a little more sweet probably. Yeah, and you like sweeter stuff, so I you actually do. probably would really like it. Well, thank you, Caitlin, that sounds great. And now we wanna welcome Kristen Canty to our podcast. Kristen is a restauranteer and the mastermind behind Woods Hill Pier 4 in Boston Seaport, Woods Hill Table in Concord, and Concord's Adelita. Very exciting for me because I've been a huge fan for the longest time. I am very obsessed with Woods Hill in Seaport. Have not been to Woods Hill Table yet, but hopefully I can cross that off my list. So Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, we are so excited and honored to have you here. Maybe you could just start by giving us a brief introduction about who you are and the concepts behind your restaurants. Kayla, I don't know how to give a brief introduction to that. <laughs> <laughs> I am a restaurateur by, I always say, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's absolutely true, but I always say that this just happened to me. Um, the story is that when um, my son was four, and he's now in his 20s, um, <laughs> he was diagnosed to being allergic to the world, which wow. meant grass, dust, wow. um, every animal, every pollen, everything. And doctors yeah. told me that he would never, um, he would always be sick. Um, That's kept, terrifying. Kept yeah prescribing different medications and doctors, um, different doctors I would go to would tell me that um, an, a, another doctor had prescribed the wrong medication. Um, and he was so small and wasn't eating and wasn't sleeping and big dark circles under his eyes and would cry all the time. Horrible asthma, would always scream that he couldn't breathe. Ugh. And um, the last doctor that I went to told me that I was going to have a sick child the rest of his life and he had a severely depressed immune system. And I started researching about why kids had so many allergies these days mm -hmm. um, on the internet. And I found out that kids that grow up on farms don't have as many allergies as those that don't grow oh, up on wow. farms. And that even adults who had had lifelong allergies when they started to, um, when they changed their diet, and especially a lot of um, people said that um, unpasteurized milk had cured their allergies. Hmm. Um, they, uh, you know, I, I was very intrigued. Um, however, I bleached everything, and the thought of <laughs> getting milk right from a cow, um, you know, scared the crap, scared the crap yeah. out of me. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> the stories were compelling enough, and my son was sick enough that 
um, you know, I, I couldn't stop reading. So I found um, I found a farm that provided raw milk in, Massa in Massachusetts. We are allowed to um, purchase raw milk off the farm, thankfully. Um, so I found a farmer. I met his children to make sure that they were alive and fine. And I knew customers. <laughs> You know, just kept speaking to customers, kept doing research, and finally, um, I decided to bring it home. And I drank a ton of it myself before I gave it to my children. But as soon as I gave it to my kids, um, my son was completely healed of his allergies. Um, That's crazy. The milk in our fridge. Um, we wow. Also, but there was a, there was a lot more that went along with that also. Um, we I've been studying. I, I found the um, I found all of this information from the Western Price Foundation which is a nutritional education foundation. And basically they taught me that, um, you know, we should be eating what our ancestors ate before industrial mm -hmm. agriculture. Right. So our ancestors, when they eat their grains, they were soaked um, or oh. spread. You know, when they, when they drink milk, obviously there was no such thing as pasteurization. So it was raw. It was clean because the cows were clean. Um, mm -hmm. right? you know, all grass fed. Um, and now, of course, we have the technology to, um, with, um, you know, to sterilize and right. make sure that we're not milking cows with dirty hands into dirty buckets. Everything's sterilized and clean. Mm -hmm. um, and when they, um, you know, there was there were a lot more ferments in their diet. There was a lot more enzymes in their diet, um, mostly due to, um, largely due to a lack of refrigeration and necessity. Um, yeah. You know, because. Uh, they, you know, couldn't refrigerate. So if you ferment vegetables, they last forever. If you cure, mm -hmm. cure meat, it lasts forever. Um, when they and when they ate their meat, it was wild. When they ate fish, it was wild caught. Um, you know, they didn't have any of the um, that their soils were healthier. Um, obviously, their vegetables were unsprayed, and so that that those are all of the um, like the tenets of nutrition and mm -hmm. what our ancestors naturally ate. And those are the rules in my restaurant. No industrial huh. oils, um, no soy, no canola. Um, we, we use uh, animal fats in our restaurant and um, olive oil and mm -hmm. um, coconut oil and um, organic um, sunflower oil. So, wow. Um, so those are the rules of the restaurant. Um, so I made a movie. So yep. our family ate like this for a very long time. And um, I'll, suddenly I found out that, so in order to eat this way, I bought directly from, farm, from farmers. Mm -hmm. I was in a meat buying club, a dairy buying club, and a, a vegetable CSA. And my vegetable CSA also had a fish CSA attached to it. So I bought directly from farmers in all these clubs. And then I found out that clubs around, these kinds of clubs and farms around the world that um, I was buying that were exactly like the ones I was buying from here in Massachusetts were getting shut down in armed raids by the government. And huh, really, yes. So I became very upset about that. Um, I tried to get um, people that I knew in the news and media to um, to cover it, and mm -hmm. um, nobody would. And so, long story short, I decided to make, to cover it myself, and I made a movie about it called Farmageddon. So cool war on American family farms, um, which is still available on Amazon prime and iTunes. But, um, so people are still watching it, which is great, but basically, so, and then I traveled, um, I traveled around the country screening the movie and, um, 
went to Washington DC a lot to, um, to lobby politicians, to lobby the FDA, to stop these armed raids. Um, now, why were they, why were they trying to shut these farms down? Like, what was their reasoning behind that? Um, well, the reasoning, what they said was that they were operating, um, um, a re- without a retail license. That was, so they would go in yeah. with armed raids for like a third degree misdemeanor, which is That's ridiculous. tons of firepower. Um, and you know, that, that was the reasoning behind it. Um, I think that the gov- our governments don't like direct from the consumer. They always want there to be a middleman, but when there's that middleman, they're, they're destroying the food. They're right. Um, you know, it's not natural. So basically I'm just a huge advocate for direct, um, consensual <laughs> when you consent and, and, mm-hmm. you, and you, and you visit the farm and you know what you're eating and you know how the farmer's taking care of the food and you know how the farmer's raising the animals. Um, I'm an advocate for direct farm to consumer sales and that that's pretty much the basis for, um, you know, what, what the movie advocates. But I was traveling around staying, I was so lucky I got to stay with farmers and chefs that were interested in the movie and moms that had similar experiences to me. And while I was traveling, I was staying in these communities, these like pockets um, of places that had very, very strong farmer to chef to mom to mm. media, like and food writer relations. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, so after I stopped traveling and um, I came back to my town in Concord and thought we should have that here. We have beautiful farms here in New England. And so the idea started as um, a food truck and huh. just kind of snowballed into a full service restaurant called Woodsill Table. Um, that's another long story, but we were just trying to, we were just trying to find a way to support farmers. Mm-hmm. And me, so the, the first idea was just to go around, you know, um, parents are so, moms are so busy. We were just trying to, um, you know, find a way to buy food from the farmers and maybe have one meal a week that mm-hmm. soccer moms and hockey moms could pick up and feed to their kids with, with other nutrient dense foods that they could pick up. And then this place became available and with support, we opened up a full-service restaurant called Woods Hill Table that follows the same tenets of nutrition. Amazing. I know. You've had such great success. I was, you know, telling Caitlin, the seaport location here, it's like such prime location. And it's, you know, I see you have the igloos out there now. It's. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that, like, you're there. And again, like, I don't think the seaport has anything quite like that you know, true farm to table. So it's, that's a huge deal, you know, to, to be able to come to Boston and we'll, we'll jump into that in a little bit. I had a question. Um, is it true that you bought a supermarket with your dad? Was that in an effort to bring that, those products from the farm to consumers? You know, can you tell us a little bit about that? And, um, I'm curious how it was working with your family. I personally work with my dad too for my business. So I know how that it is. It's, it's an amazing thing. Um, but yeah, I wanted to dive into that a little bit more and and talk to us about that. Yeah, uh, my parents aren't involved with like the day-to-day operations. Um, they're huge uh, customers at the restaurant. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was looking for a food truck to you know go around, get food from different farmers and bring it back and make, make a meal like I just said a meal or two a week. 
and um, this supermarket came up for sale um, and they, the West Beckham supermarket. Mm-hmm. It was a much loved supermarket, but the people that owned it just did not want to do it anymore. They wanted to retire. Mm-hmm. And so a few people in the town approached me and said, we heard that you want to have this, you have this idea, um, this supermarket's for sale. And so originally I thought it'd be a great idea to have it be um, one part a, one part fine dining, one part a bar, one part a juice bar, split it into three, and the town just could not wrap their heads around that. They just, they <laughs> that sounds say, awesome to me. I don't know. It just was too much, and, they, and the town really wanted a full-service diet. Like, I think that at the time, right now, Concord has more fine dining restaurants, which is, which is great, and more, more popped up in the area. At the time, there, there just wasn't a lot. And people were just yearning for a fine dining restaurant. And so that's, it just kind of turned out to, to be that by default. And um, yeah, and it became, it was really popular right from the get-go. Um, we, we, ha- um, we tried to make it look like a New York steak, like a steakhouse. Mm. It's not a steakhouse. It's, it's fine dining and farm to table, but it has this very New York steakhouse feel in the middle of west concord so <laughs> really like Love the, that. the atmosphere yeah there's not there's no view in concord so we just like tried to decorate it nicely and um you know it's a nice vibe it has a fireplace and a really and a great bar and we pay homage to um, local artists and the we have pictures up of the old supermarket and old west concord and so it was popular right away and i think that people in the town were um very supportive and very appreciative that our family decided to do this that's awesome it is sometimes yeah yeah clearly the concept took for sure um so i'm also a huge fan of farm to table and farm fresh stuff my fiance and i go to farm fresh rhode island because we live in providence here every week to get all of our vegetables organic meats, everything. Um, so, and you touched on your documentary farm again in a little bit as well, but tell us about the farm that you own in New Hampshire. I heard there's a llama named Michelle Olama, which I also kind of love. Uh, but what other kind of animals do you have there? Um, what kind of gardens do you have? Just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, thanks. So as we were building the restaurant and realized it was going to be 180 seats and we wanted to only, we only serve um, 100% grass-fed pasture-raised meats there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we realized that there weren't enough farmers around that were um, raising meat like that. Um, so we weren't going to have a problem with vegetables. We, we have a lot of farmers that can help us supply vegetables. Meat was a problem, um, especially the expense of the meat. People that are doing that need to sell it at a premium. So, um, you know, with all the hard work that goes into mm-hmm. raising meat on grass. And so we found a 260 acre farm in Bath, New Hampshire. Um, oddly enough, when we, when I drove there, it was on Clow Road and that's my maiden name. Um, oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yes. After, yeah, I know. So after the fact, after I bought it, I found out that my ancestor was the first farmer there just by pure coincidence. No way. That what is are crazy. the odds of that? Yeah, yeah. Literally meant to be, I'm super into that kind of like, that's a sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was at the time it was called Hilltop Farm, but I didn't want it. The home of Patty Page who's saying, how much is that doggy in the window? 
So um, their family lived in California and she passed away. So they, um, they couldn't handle the farm. They couldn't handle it anymore. It had been more of like a gentleman's farm for them. And it was a organic maple syrup farm. They, oh, okay. they had organic maple syrup called um, Patty Page maple syrup. And if you opened up the, the, um, the top of the maple syrup, Patty sang a song about maple syrup to the tune of Old Cape Cod. So oh. we had we had um, all these lines, maple syrup lines, going from the trees into the sugar shack. We took them all down and turned the sugar shack into a chicken brooder oh. and, um, and turned it back into um, a farm. It had been like a gentleman's farm. They had like a, a pig here and some horses, mm -hmm. but we turned it back into the first working farm that it hadn't been that way since the 1800s. So, and in the 1800s, it was a working farm and they came down to, um, like I, I read in the history that they had been coming down to Boston to sell their goods at the Boston farmer's market. So we're, almost, awesome. we're almost doing the same thing. So we decided to raise um, beef, um, pork, chicken, and now we raise duck um, and lamb. Right. So, wow. Um, all, all for the restaurant. And um, COVID's kind of put a damper on that, quite honestly, right now. It's, um, it's difficult. But, um, but normally, in normal production, so I don't know what this summer is going to look like because we have a little bit of a backup of production. Mm -hmm. But normally, we have about, um, right now, we have about 25, um, 25 beef cows. Wow. And, but normally we have about a hundred lambs um, wow. that we start raising every March. Um, and a llama, Michelle Alama, as you said, <laughs> that, that looks over, um, you know, that looks over. She's director of Homeland Security. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> and we have, um, we usually raise about 120 pigs. Um, right now we have 250 layer chickens. So all for the restaurant. That's awesome. I love That's that. Amazing. And I guess, do you have any advice for other restaurants on how they can also source organic? I mean, it would be great if, you know, everyone did this, of course, but I know that's probably a lot harder in, in reality. But I mean, do you have any advice for other restaurants or any ideas on how, you know, we could make this more of widespread, I guess, more, you know, more popular? Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of shops that have relationships with farmers and mm -hmm. And get a lot of them get um, you know think think about sourcing and think about where they're getting their vegetables. I know that a few of the farms in town supply to um, you know a, a, a lot of the restaurants, which is great. That's good. Yeah. We take it, we take it you know to another step by mm -hmm. having our own farm and only having grass-fed beef, nothing right. else on the menu, and um, you know in our industrial oil is a is a big deal too we don't spray um you know gmo soy oil all, mm. over, all over that's something that i would really like to encourage other restaurants to think about the oil right. and the mm -hmm. fats that they use um but you know it it's um I, i'd love to encourage it and, and i do think that chefs would really like to most chefs would really like to do it this way mm -hmm. um, food costs come into play and right can't um, you know, it, it's hard. I can't stay. Yeah. Is. We have to, we, we really have to hope for volume and we really have to hope for the fact that the concept 
um, takes off and that people care about what they're eating. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, we go through, we go through all of this, raising our own animals and, and I go through making sure that, you know, everything's as organic as much as possible. And, you know, going over and, and checking, checking the quality. And, um, you know, I told you earlier that I'm starting my own podcast and I just, re- Exciting. I'm, I'm releasing another movie. Um, it's oh, a, awesome. It's going to the film festival circuit right now. Um, wow. About the whole concept. Yep. So, um, I'm trying to say, I don't, I don't like this to be in people's faces. Um, mm. A lot of people come in, we go through all of this and so many people just don't care. You right. Know, people go out for different reasons. They don't go out. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't go out to eat clean food or healthy food or nutrient dense food. They go out to, um, you know, for a variety of different reasons. Right. And so, um, we're just trying to like, at this point, we're just trying to let people know if you want to know, if you want right. to know where your food comes from, if you, yeah. if you do want clean food, we are the place that you can come to and you can find out more about it. If you want, you can go visit the farm if you want, and you'll be able to listen to our podcast and listen to like all the effort that our vendors and our farmers put into our food. But if you just want to go out and enjoy your meal, you don't have to learn any of that. And, mm. um, I don't know that that balance is hard. Yeah. yeah. I really like that approach though. You're, you're educating with all of the knowledge that you have in hopes that you will, you know, change someone's mindset or change someone's approach. I think that that's like a great approach. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. And congrats on the, the podcast and the, the other movie that's coming out. That's amazing. You know, it's funny because I've had customers, um, who like they come in and, Maybe they, at one point, like we've, we've learned, um, over the years, chef, chef has done an amazing job. Um, you know, grass fed, grass fed meat needs to be like cared for. Yeah. Special treatment. Yeah. And different animals at different times have presented different challenges. And he's done such a great, amazing job making everything taste so good. And Mm -hmm. over the years learned, but you know, I've had customers have come in and been like, this is, um, you know, I had a bad experience, you know, there's always one, you know, right. Right. Like this chicken's too small or, you know, something like that. Yeah. We've worked on those problems, you know, but, um, (laughs) but there's always something. And, um, but the best, my favorite thing is when I have a customer that like just doesn't understand and something's wrong. And then not only can we win them over by making sure they have a better experience the next time inviting them back, but how, but also if they slowly learn, like meet us and then learn about the concept and then, mm-hmm. like, then they love it, you know? I love that. Yeah. that. That's amazing. And I'm sure like, candidly, I had been learning all about this, you know, obviously I learned a lot when I visited Woods Hill, but you know, I'm still learning about all of this. So I think it's something that a lot of people are new to, even if, if you are embedded in the food industry, it's you know, you don't see it as much here in the city. So I think it's great that you're using your platform and, and yourself to educate people and try to, you know, give them the information they might need, might need to change their approach. That's huge. Now, Kristen, you you touched on this, but we want to dive into it a little bit more. Obviously, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, you know, we all know here that that's 
been a huge challenge for the restaurant industry and small business. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that? You had said there were some challenges with production on the farm. How did that um, kind of trickle into the restaurants and what was your strategy to overcome that? Um, good question. <laughs> I mean, obviously, um, I opened up my third restaurant, which is on the seaport. And it was, uh, you know, a, a huge endeavor that was, a, you know, took me um, a while to make the decision of whether I was going to do that or not. But and we opened up in November of 2019. We were shut down just a few months later um, and then opened up under really difficult circumstances right so and and also i'd completely raised production at the farm right in preparation three restaurants Ugh. um to and so now i do have a you know we, we do have a backup and so of of food of food so i don't know if we'll be raising any animals this year so mm. so yeah it affected everything um right luckily I, I do have to say that our vegetable farmers um they were reporting that people were calling and and that they they did very very well during the pandemic people were going direct to farmers good for a lot of, yeah so their csas were sold out and and they wow. did very very well if we um you know because a lot of some of them do grow food specifically for us and so and that wasn't a problem but my own farm were um, I don't raise vegetables for the farm. I do. We do have a small garden. Sorry, you asked about that before. We have a small garden that's for people that stay there, or for mm. the farmers, or for us when we go up. It's very. It's a very small vegetable garden, just for the visitors to the farm. Oh, okay. I don't take vegetables from New Hampshire and bring them down, except in okay. rare And then we have some mushrooms that we do. We do mm. honey. We do honey, um, maple syrup, um, in conjunction with our neighbor. And um, and then sometimes I'll do like squash or pumpkins, things like that. Mm -hmm. Like seasonal vegetables. Yeah, we don't do like lettuce and um, you know we don't do other vegetables. Um, every, every all the the rest of the vegetables we try to get from area farmers. That was kind of the whole point of the restaurant. But, I see. Um, but anyway, so right now, um, as far as the the meats concerned, we don't we don't know what we're going to do this year, quite honestly. Um, and we do, I mean, we do have animals at the farm, right? If you, if you want to go visit, we still have all the, all the mamas. We have the, we still have, we still have a lot. If you went up to the farm, you would think that we had a lot of animals, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, hundreds, hundreds of animals. Sounds like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We're not really raising, um, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do about raising animals for food this year. I think that it'll be a very, very, very limited, um, yeah. as, as we try to catch up. Um, yeah whatever's going to happen this summer. Um, so Woods Hill Table in Concord, they, um, you know, that, that was a struggle. We don't have the view there, like I said, and indoor dining um, was very rough in Concord. Mm. So, so that was slow. We, op we opened up and put picnic tables outside. Um, and we're hoping that this summer will be, will be better. People are starting to come back inside. I hope so. I think so. The Mexican restaurant um, that did pretty well because people like to do takeout Mexican. Yeah, yeah that's a big definitely. like tacos to go kind of a thing is big. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So people aren't eating in there, but they're but they're ordering out. So that was, um, you know, they're all doing okay. Yeah. And the seaport, 
we put up these, it, um, the, we had the patio last year and the city, amazing patio. Yeah. <laughs> and our landlord were great to us. They let us over I mean, expand. Um, and so, you know, we won't, of course, we only have like a good day on a, on, um, when it's good weather. Right. But, um, you know, we were able to expand and, and have a, a large patio. So that was helpful. It wasn't anything, of course, what it was supposed to be, but it was helpful. And, um, and then during the winter, we put up these igloos as you were. I love the igloos. Yeah. They're, they're so cool on that patio. It's like the perfect experience. Yeah. Like what more could you want? Yeah, they're cool. They, um, if the winds are over 40 miles an hour, which they, which they can be pretty often in the seaport. Oh, I didn't think about um, that. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've had them blow into the harbor and I've had them no. jump into the harbor. But, um, no way. Oh, wow. That's an adventurous day for sure. Jumping in the harbor after it. Well, it's spring, so things are looking up. We won't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're hoping for a fantastic patio season again. And people are feeling about eating, eating inside now too, which is. Yeah. Definitely. Plus you have in the seaport, you're, you know, you have all those open it's pretty much open concept. So I feel like if you're inside, you know, you have the bar area that kind of like opens up, you get a lot of fresh air that comes in there. So yeah, we have garage doors and open up where yeah, exactly. we leave all the, we leave all the doors open. And, um, and right now people are, um, don't seem to right now people are just feeling better. Um, you know, so yeah. plexiglass everywhere and the tables right. are right. And, and people with the windows and the doors and the garage, doors right people are just feeling better about it all around i'm glad i i feel like there's a shift in the mood too like you know you see all the people out when there's nice weather the patio expansion into the streets i think people are just wanting to get out wanting to support feeling better you know some people are vaccinated i really i hope that it's going to be a good summer for businesses um so you have like our support we're we're cheering you on and I go to Woods Hill like all the time in the seaport. So and just, <laughs> I will be there. And just so our listeners know too, Kristen. So all three restaurants are open for reservations. Um, and you can do that on just by calling or on open table or something. Ron Rezzy. Ron Rezzy. Perfect. Cut that out. <laughs> okay, perfect. All of the above. We're hoping to open. Um, you know, we're still hiring staff. Most, a lot of my staff came back, um, but a lot of staff, um went off to other fields mm. <laughs> oh really but um but we're still hiring and as soon as we hire fully we'll be open well and when the governor yeah hopefully they release restrictions and more people come back to offices um yeah. we're hoping we'll be open for lunch and dinner seven days a week um in um woods hill table we're in the process of hiring a shop there right now it's open thursday friday saturday only Mm-hmm. Um, and but Adelita is open seven days and um, for dinner only. And in the, the seaport, we are open um, for dinner every day except for Monday and for Saturday and Sunday brunch. Perfect, amazing. Yeah. Brunch has been very popular in the seaport, so always. Yeah, gotta love I, brunch out in the seaport. It's the thing yeah. to do. <laughs> I was actually there. I think it was a Friday or Saturday in the seaport around the Woods Hill location and it was just bumping people were out and about big groups you know it was really nice to see that's what i was kind of missing and it was good to see that people were out having that like weekend brunch it's exciting i think that is a big thing now especially with everything that's gone on 
really quick, you kind of jumped on this, but I wanted to chat with you about your interior design. We talked about this for a while when I met you at Woods Hill, um, but I know you have some like custom art pieces and you also use some of your, um, you have some of the furs from the llamas in there, which I love on the chairs. But I, I remember you mentioning that you really try to use aspects of the farm and bring that into the design. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I have my sheep skin and show you it's an audio I'm sitting on one right now. Um, oh. I, I literally yeah. am so obsessed. I love that. I love those chairs in the front. They're so cool. Thank you. We actually don't have it right now because of COVID. Right. Um, they're all in my apartment right now, but I'm getting a hundred in um, in the next month or so. So hopefully, wow. um, you know, we don't have to worry about COVID and I don't know what's going to happen, but things like that. They'll be back. But yeah, I have my sheepskin all over the chairs in the restaurant just to warm it up. Um, at Woods Hill, I have my, um, uh, let me see it again, my, uh, my Andy Newman uh, is a local artist and he, um, he painted my farm. He went up and painted the farm. Um, and I have um, Betsy Silverman is a local artist out of Newton and she's so amazing. She, um, she does this magazine collage. Yes, I um, remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. So she, she has pieces all over Boston, like in the hospitals. Her, her paintings are like a scavenger hunt. So you, every every time you look at them, you see something different. She has words in them and concepts so cool. in them. So she, um, I asked her, everyone kept asking me if I was going to put boobies all over pair four. I'm the location of the old Anthony's pair four. We're overlooking the location of the old Anthony's pair four. And I get, he had boobies all over the restaurant. So people kept asking me that. So I saw a painting of hers that had buoys, and so I asked her to um, paint paint buoys. Well, yeah. do a, make a collage of buoys, and if you if you're back, all you see is this beautiful, colorful buoy painting. But if you get closer, you you'll see parts oh. of our concept. Yeah. So oh, cool. cool. So so cool. Like the chickens are in it, the cows are in it, and it says like farm to table. And oh, I love that. That's so cool. It's a fun painting to go to go check out if you're there. And um, and then Julia Powell, Julie Powell, um, and she's from Cambridge. Um, and she she painted a local artist. And I highly recommend everyone check out her work on Instagram also. Um, and she painted um, birch trees for me. We tons of birch trees at the farm. So she did a custom bridge tree for me. I love that. And the buoy art is, I remember we looked at that and it really is when you're up close, you see so many things. And then when you're back, you just see like one buoy. So right. cool. Right. I, I love that kind of stuff. And then the, and then I have all these um, pictures, like paintings of the farm. And then I have a little homage to, uh, to the old care for. I have pictures of, um, Anthony with Liz Taylor, Liz Taylor, Richard Burton. I have um, Judy Garland mm -hmm. um, over by the fireplace. Um, I guess she was a frequent customer. Oh, um, cool. Julia Childs, Liza Minnelli. Mm -hmm. So I just have and Anthony. I like the pictures of back in the day, the old Anthony's pair for menus. I have like a, a menu and picture of um, old Boston. That's so, awesome. Um, Very cool. Able to get from the old Anthony's pair that's amazing. Yeah. So. Great. Um, we just have a couple other questions. 
Um, we obviously are major foodies. My sister and I grew up in a foodie family. You know, people ask me how I started Boston Food Journal. Well, we just always ate. And it's actually ironic because when I moved to Boston, I lived with Caitlin and like every night we were just going out to eat, trying new restaurants just for fun. And that's kind of why I started my channel. So we grew up in a foodie family. We wanted to know from you, what's your favorite thing to cook or your favorite thing to eat or both? Um, well, everybody that knows me knows that every night I, almost every night, I eat like the crudo, the oysters, and the tartare. Oh, the best. Everything That's amazing. Raw foodie. Um, I do love raw foods. Um, so ironically, <laughs> um, my favorite thing to cook is soup and stews. <laughs> really? <laughs> like that. Yeah. I, I mean, love I that. Love, love, love to make soup. And I love to eat soup too. But What, what kind of soup do you make usually? So I do make bone broth and I love veggie soup. I just put, mm. um, if I, I'm like my, my broth, vegetables, mm. stir it up, add cream to it. Um, mm. Chef almost uses the same recipe. In, um, oh, cool. Food. He adds um, a lot of extra textures to it <laughs> to make it a, you know, more gourmet than my soup. But <laughs> I love any and all soups. Um, I love my clam chowder recipe. And oh, yes. Over against my New England clam chowder. Mm. Um, Amazing chili and uh, yeah just whatever just any awesome. kind of soup love soup. that love it <laughs> I, and i'm sure that your soups are very gourmet so yes <laughs> <laughs> also big fans of soup um caitlin anything else that i'm, I'm missing here i guess um I to ask kristen if our listeners want to visit woods hill or Concord's adelita where what should they eat what should they order what are like your go-to menu items Right now, the duck wing, but our duck is on the menu. And Ooh, we, couldn't raise duck. Duck. we couldn't raise duck for a long time. And it's um, chef's favorite protein. Oh. So, so we finally found, because it's really hard to get ducks to the um, to market. There's not, there's not a lot of processors that will do duck. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Because, yeah, um, it's, it's difficult to get them processed. So finally we found a processor that could do it and we raised duck and we're just really proud of our duck. So at Woodsill Table, we have the duck wings and the duck mm. in Concord. And um, at, at Care 4, we have um, the duck confit and also the duck breast. And mm. I, love the, I love the duck breast, especially in the fall because he uses um, the, con the grapes from our farm. Like it's, it's like almost everything on the dishes from our farm. And I love that. Yeah, um, you get the grapes from our farm and he pairs it. And so that's awesome. Yeah, drooling. Um, you know, I always recommend the steak tartare. Mm. Um, and uh, we have fabulous oysters from Island Peak Oysters, always. Um, so duck right now, the duck is number one, but of course, mm. good. So, Caitlin, perfect. I think we need we yeah. need to do some market research and go to Woods Hill like now and get some duck. Agreed. Need to make that reservation. Is, <laughs> yeah, my mouth is watering. Yeah. Definitely. Sam um, Chatter right now we have at, at Woods Hill. I have to highly recommend this surf clam crudo that I've been eating every night. Mm. Um, it has a much of the cheaper sauce. It's huge surf clams that, we, that we're getting locally from Provincetown. Um, mm. The fishermen are bringing it in every day, fresh to us. And he's putting in like the flavors of clam chowder. So there's like tiny little bacon bits and potatoes and onions. Wow, that sounds so good. Almost like comfort food clam chowder meets 
crudo, but it's like, it just fresh and that sounds out. awesome. That sounds really good. Huge clam, clam shell, so. I'm actually drooling. Like, yep. that sounds, go. yeah, <laughs> I'm like, that sounds way too good. Wow. Um, and then we touched on this, but what's next? So you have a new movie coming out, a podcast. Do you have any, I mean, expansion plans? I know that's a tough question given COVID-19, but what's, what's next for you and what's next for, you know, the restaurants? Yeah. I mean, that's what we're going to be doing. Basically as we hopefully slowly, you know, open up more and people find us, find out more about us. Um, my, um, my main mission is for, you know, like, like I just said, trying to get across without being preachy, just like if you want it, the message out there. Um, if you want to find out more about us, you can come visit us at the farm. We're going to have um, planning retreats at the farm. Food retreats. Oh, I already have. that's awesome. Already, yeah, it's fun. I've already had two yoga retreats and a, um, like a primal, um, like a paleo retreat mm-hmm. at the farm. Like, um, so we're, pl- we're planning more than more, more of those. <laughs> we're hoping to have a Western Price retreat. Um, and wow. The- so basically my mission is just to, for the people that want to explore more, experience this lifestyle, um, to just have other avenues and opportunities to do that. So I mean, I love that tiny little 15 minute film. And so um, we're going to the film festivals and showing the film. And then once we're done with that, we'll be, it'll, it'll just live on my website so that you can click on it and see it just shows the whole story of the farmers and raising the animals and then bringing them to the restaurant and the chefs and the whole thing all together. Love that. In 15. Awesome. That's and, amazing. And then, um, you know, I'm working on the podcast. So basically my mission is just, if you, you know, like I said, if, if you're interested, come on, come to the farm and right. join us. And if you're not, just go have beautiful views on the seaport or you know, just go have fun. It's fine. Yep. Enjoy a delicious meal <laughs> or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be on the walls or on the menus or anything like right. that. It's there for right. you to find out if you want to. And great. I really, I love that. I think that that's like a great, I think that's a really effective way to, to get the messaging out there, you know? I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Thank you so much. Again, you have such an incredible story and we thank you for sharing that with us and with our audience. Um, do you have any questions for us or anything else that you want to call out while you have, you know, while, while we're recording here? No, I think we covered everything. Thank Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you. Honestly, you're amazing. And I have to ask, is your, so does your son now only eat this type of diet and has his have his allergies and his asthma and everything, you know, has he gotten better? He hasn't had asthma in years. Wow. Yeah, he's fine. He works for me. He's a bartender. Oh, oh cool. really? Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've probably seen him in there then. Say hello. Yeah. That is so cool. I actually have asthma too. So now I'm like, hmm, interesting. Maybe I should look into <laughs> really, Yeah, look, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that he's doing better. And I'm sure that you've also like, helped other children and adults who are also suffering from the same thing just by educating them. And that's huge. Yeah. You know, it doesn't help everybody, but telling the story, I love it. Like it, yeah, it has helped a lot of people. Not sure. For everybody. Right. You know? But however, this works for enough people. That, mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's, it's worth a try. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. 
Right. That's so, that's so true. I we're in our family. We, you know, we were, we're big on the like natural medicine thing. And I think even just like, I like essential oils and they sometimes help my stress or sometimes help my breathing. So I think using food, the thing that we all eat every day and need to, you know, we need to eat to survive. I think that makes so much sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll start to change my diet a little bit and see what happens. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. So I highly recommend the book, Nourishing Traditions. Start Nourishing Traditions. Nourishing Traditions. Yep. Start there. Okay. That's what, that's what saved me. Really? Okay. I'm writing that down. I'm going to take a look. Just chock full of information and fabulous recipes. The soup recipe that I was just talking about is, is from there. Oh, okay. Yeah. All this, the soup and bones and broth and yeah, um, that's awesome. I will definitely take a look. Okay. Well, thank you again, Christine. It was so yes. Thank you so much. Up. And yeah. you know, just learn a little bit more. I had known some of this, but it was really good to hear you dive into it more and and, and explain you know how your concepts came to be. So we really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. Today on the Boston Food Journal Scoop, I want to take this time to just plug a place that I really, 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 really love here in the city. Now, sometimes I'll do more list type features like I did last time. You know, if there's holidays approaching, I'll tell you like where to go, what's, what restaurants are offering discounts and promos, etc. But also, I just kind of want to plug the places that I frequent all the time. While I love going out to tons of different restaurants and really, really enjoy myself doing so, there are a couple different places here in Boston that I am just completely obsessed with and like love, you know, the people behind the restaurant, you know, the concepts, the cocktails, the drinks, everything. So I want to take this time today to highlight Offsuit. Um, you probably know that I'm already obsessed if you follow me at Boston Food Journal on Instagram because I post about them quite frequently or I guess just a couple times in the last few months. But Offsuit is a fairly new speakeasy in the Leather District, so downtown-ish. Um, and it is one of the truest speakeasies in Boston, I think. Um, their whole motto is a cocktail list with a no-frills, no-fuss approach. You can expect an assortment of original creations as well as their takes on timeless classics. That is so true. Um, the cocktail list is so delicious, very well curated, carefully curated. It's very boutique and vintage inside. My favorite part about it, though, is when you walk into it, it's it's like New York speakeasy. You are in like this back sketchy alley next to like garbage <laughs> cans and like back doors. My first time there, I was like, I don't even feel comfortable walking down this alley. It's like, where the heck am I? Um, so you walk down this back alley. There's literally no sign whatsoever. There's a tiny little, um, you know, everyone always asks me, how do you get in? How do you get in? There's a tiny little card on the door that says for service, please call blank. And it's a, it's a number. So what you do is when you arrive, you call the number and someone opens the door and greets you at the door. I don't believe they take reservations. It's very, very popular. So if you do want to get in, and again, so many of you ask me, well, how do you get in? Try going on the earlier side at five o'clock. 
that way you're definitely guaranteed a seat or go put your name in and then go grab dinner somewhere else and go back at the end of the evening for cocktails. It's very small and intimate inside. It's got very unique, like I said, vintage decor. Cocktails are amazing. The food is good. It's like small bites. Um, the staff there, they're just, they're such experts. They really know what they're doing. And again, this really, really feels like a true New York speakeasy, which I don't think we have a lot of in Boston. Kate, you actually came with me. What did you think of it? Oh yeah, it was so cool. Um, and I don't know if anyone's familiar with the restaurant Troquet, but it's right in the back. Like you wouldn't even know it was there, but it's it's in the yeah. back of that restaurant technically. So if you're familiar so, with where that is, you, you can find it. But right. it's really the, cool. Very, And you very just reminded cool. me like the whole storyline of how it came to be is, is very cool. And I'm not going to say it now because I think we're going to have a special guest in one of our later podcasts where we'll dive into that. So stay tuned. I'm not going to um, share any more deets, but the story of how it came about is really, really cool. And it just kind of speaks to the heart that we have here in the restaurant industry in Boston and, and how cool ideas can come to life. So just wanted to plug them again, try to go on the earlier side. If you're trying to get in, it does get very, very busy and they're all, there are long waits, but it's super, super worth it. Um, and yeah, I just adore the team there. They're great people. And I just wanted to share that with you guys for my BFJ scoop this week. So check it out. Let me know what you think. And I think you'll love it. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to go back any day. So I'd love Let's to take do you back. it. I know. Let's do it. All right, well, guys. Well, thank you so, so much for tuning in to episode two of the Side Dish Podcast. Again, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Side Dish Podcast. And also follow me at Boston Food Journal. I would say follow my sister, but she doesn't really care about the gram. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see there. Also, if you guys to, like what you're hearing, please rate and review. Yes, we've been seeing a couple of you um, rate us. And we have, I think, one review now, which is so nice. So any feedback, again, we appreciate while we just kind of get this podcast off the ground. And thanks for tuning in. We can't wait for next week. And we'll see you then. Ciao. And you can't tell me not to say that, Caitlin. Oh. Well, we did pitch an Italian red wine, so. I mean, we are Italian also. And our <laughs> father says ciao all the time, so. Ciao cannot be our sign off. All right, we'll go to Capua Sisters out on the count of three. One, two, three. Capua Sisters, sisters out. out. <laughs> <laughs> no.